Welcome to Stu's EV Universe, where you can find anything and everything electric vehicle. Uh, today I have the great pleasure of having as my guest, Rap Hankins. Uh, and we're gonna be talking a little bit about EVs and equity. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Rap. Oh, I'm glad to be here and excited. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I guess just to start off for our listeners, can you tell us a little bit about you and your history um, and, and uh, you know, what kinds of work you've done, all that kind of stuff? Uh, I grew up in Dayton, Ohio, uh, on what we call the West Side, which was uh, and is a predominantly African-American community. Uh, and when I was born, the rest of the city was separated by bridges. So if you wanted to go into downtown and do some shopping or leave the African-American community, you would actually have to cross a bridge. And I always thought that was interesting. And when I was a kid, there were two riots in our community. And what the police did was they actually uh, cut off the bridges and actually cut people off from moving into downtown Dayton. And the reason I knew as a child that there was no such thing as economic equity is that we were not allowed to shop in the grocery stores uh, downtown or the apartment complexes. And there was literally only one place where my mother could shop. And when I was a kid, she used to shop from the Sears robot catalog. And I didn't understand why. But the reason she could do that is she could buy anything she wanted. It could come in the mail, right? And that way, she didn't have to leave the community and go someplace where she uh, wasn't wanted. So as a kid, uh, I actually moved into Dayton, crossed that bridge. Uh, and uh, there's a street called Salem Avenue. And I started moving up that street. And at the end of Salem is a city called Trotwood. And Trotwood is Ohio, is where I live today. And I moved here about... 47 years ago because I wanted to give my kids the best school possible. Uh, and in the process of doing that, uh, I became a part of the community and became the president of a girls softball in our city and ultimately became a member of city council and served on city council for 16 years. Uh, was a member of the National League of Cities and was on their executive board for four years. Uh, and previous to my last year in city council, I was elected uh, council member of the year by the National League of Cities. I ran a company called Hankins Computer Consultants. Uh, I was a rep who uh, traveled 50,000 miles a year and sold product that supported the Apple computer family. So um, that's something I did. And um, the more importantly to me, about seven months ago, I discovered there was something called uh, electric cars, and uh, I'm a proud owner of an ID4. So yeah, so you're you're uh, relatively new to the EV community, um, but can you? I guess can you tell us a little bit about um, why EV? Why why did you want to? You know, uh, you, you've been driving Volkswagens and uh, right. diesel. Are there, is there one re specific reason? Are there many reasons? Um, there are many reasons, but um, the, the coolest thing about it was that um, 51 years ago when I wanted to marry my wife, uh, 
My father-in-law looked at the car I was driving and said, you can't marry my daughter unless you're in a Volkswagen. So he took me out, put me in a Volkswagen, drove me off the road and said, see, you didn't kill yourself. Uh, and we became Volkswagen people, and we've only owned Volkswagen since then. Um, what was interesting was I wanted a diesel for like 10 years, and we couldn't find them. And finally, I got a couple diesels, and then I realized there was something called an e-golf, which was a semi-electric golf. And I went to Volkswagen and said, can I buy an e-golf? And they said, no, you live in Ohio, not in California. So I couldn't own an electric car, and I didn't know... Honestly, that there was anything else but the e-golf. I didn't know there were other electric car family members around. Uh, and when the ID4 came out, Volkswagen said to me, there's an electric car and it's completely battery operated. Uh, and immediately I knew I had to start looking into it. And the reason for that was, um, I, number one, I believe in doing things that are on the cutting edge. Um, when I bought my first diesel, there were no diesel gas stations. So I used to have to go to truck stops. Uh, and my wife was angry with me because I always, she'd always get diesel all over her hands and shoes. Um, and I remember us traveling one time to Washington, um, and we were getting outside of Kentucky, and we had like 10 miles to go, and we were almost on E. And people talk about uh, electric car uh, panic, that you're going to run out of energy. Well, I remember on our first trip on the diesel, I was panicking that we were going to run out of diesel fuel. So uh, I've, I've done things in the past where there were new technology and the infrastructure wasn't in place. So in, in that regard, I've never been afraid to do something that was different and something that was new. But... Nothing like driving an EV has been important to me uh, as this is. Because the benefit of driving an EV is not just that I'm enjoying driving a Volkswagen, but I'm driving something which is clean for the environment that means something to me as a person of the African-American community in the sense that I can actually do something that's going to keep the air clean in my community which is going to eliminate the lead in the environment, which is poisoning my children, and just so many things that aren't beneficial for minorities. So um, when I started doing it, to be honest with you, my friend, I wasn't so sure I was going to become an advocate and really promote it. Uh, initially, I just was excited about driving an electric car. And uh, once I went to my first EV meeting and I looked around and nobody looked like me, uh, I thought, wait a minute, something's wrong here. And then I pulled out PlugShare, and I looked to see where I could charge in the community where I live in Trotwood, which is 24,000 people and 30 square miles, and there wasn't a charger anywhere. And then I said, wait a minute, uh, owning an electric car for me is going to be no different than not having a grocery store in the community. It's not going to be any different than redlining when you're moving into a community and you're not wanted. And I said to myself, we're not going to let this happen again. The moment I own an EV, we're going to make a difference and begin to build the infrastructure. So it's important to me in many ways. It's important personally because I love driving it. It's important because it's environmental benefits to everyone, no matter who they are. And it's important to me that we build an infrastructure where anyone and everybody can own an EV. 
And you're you're also setting an example. I mean, you have you have grandkids, right? Right, I do. And uh, I mean, I mean, I, I I was you were kind enough to drive me around in your ID four. It, it's a beautiful beautiful car. Thank you. I actually wasn't uh, expecting to be as impressed as I was, and you know, for for your grandkids to see that you're doing this. Um, you know, it's, it's just absolutely wonderful. And what, what are their reactions to, to the vehicle um, and, and, what, and what you're doing? Oh, my, uh, I have two grandchildren, and I guess the family doesn't want me to tell this story, but I have to. Um, I was okay. talking to my granddaughter, who's four, and one of the things I do is because they're, they're young women, I always tell them that they're amazing. So I said to my younger granddaughter, I said, you're amazing. And she said, well, why am I amazing? And I said, because you're four years old. You're my granddaughter. Uh, you're using your brain and you're smart. And she said, no, granddaddy, you're amazing. So I said, why am I amazing? Mm -hmm. She said, you own an ID4. You take me to Electrify America and you charge up your car, right? And you're helping the environment. And granddaddy, you protect us, you provide for us, and you buy me anything I want. <laughs> so I said, thank you very much. So um, they understand that um, as much as a four and six-year-old can understand, that they understand that Whisper, which is our ID4, is important, and that we're doing something which is different. Uh, and a several weeks ago, I was in Louisville, Kentucky, uh, at a parade, um, St. Patrick's Day parade, and as I was coming home uh, through Cincinnati, I called my other grandchild and said, I think I have enough energy to get home. And she said, no, granddad, I want you to stop at Electrify America, charge up and come home safely. So I think they understand um, as much as they can that the fact that we're an electric car family means something in the future. And I can see them when they start driving um, 12 years or 14 years from now that, that, you know, they'll be looking at EVs too. So it is important to all of us. And it's happening fast. I mean, you know, um, I, I started uh, the EV group here, uh, Evolve KY, seven, eight years ago, and it's just uh, tremendous the amount of progress that's been made. And just this past year with all the, you know, car company announcements. Yeah, I can't imagine, you know, uh, seven to 10 years from now, things are going to look quite different. Um, so that's absolutely wonderful. Can you talk a little bit about Trotwood um, and, and where you're living? I mean, we, we were able to take a tour around there. Um, the place was devastated by tornadoes not that long ago. And um, you're still seeing the effects of that. So it, it's it's a place where uh, you were mentioning, you know, uh, food deserts um, and, you know, it's like the EV charging is sort of one more thing to add to the list of, of the, the disadvantages that you ha guys have. Um, and it shouldn't be that way. So um, just, I guess, a little bit of about where you live. Well, let's do this because I think it's really important. OK, um, in every state, there needs to be a community where people are safe and where people are accepted no matter what their race or their gender or their class right. is. Um, that's why I live in the great city of Trotwood, because we're very accepting of others. 
But like many of the eight majority African-American communities in the state of Ohio, and we're not unique, um, you're, you're dealing with racial and economic disparities. Right. Uh, and one thing that you'll often find across the country is if you live in an African-American community or uh, a community of color, you often won't have movie theaters or grocery stores or EV infrastructure. There's a, a county in Maryland called Montgomery County. Uh, it's a place where you have more African-American millionaires than any place in the, in the world, and they don't have a grocery store. So in many respects, they don't think it's unique to uh, my community. I think it's what minorities face actually in the country. But um, what makes Trotwood important to me is, like I said, there's, we're 24,000 people. Our, general, our average income is about $40,000. Um, we are 30 square miles, and it's one of the greatest places that a person can live. I mean, as you know, and your listeners don't know, I'm a spastic paraplegic. I walk on crutches. And I've been on crutches from the literally, well, I've been a spastic paraplegic from the day I was born. So I've always walked on crutches. And one of the most exciting things for me about Trotwood is when I moved into the community and began to serve, uh, people didn't look at me based on the fact that I was on Canadian crutches. People looked at me and judged me from my intellect and the kind of person that I am. So uh, it's, it's real important for me to say that it, it's a great community to live in in spite of many of the issues that we have to deal with. But approximately three years ago, this Memorial Day weekend, uh, we were hit by two uh, level five tornadoes. And they actually went through the community and decimated our uh, tree canopy, uh, destroyed an apartment complex, and on my street alone, actually destroyed uh, four homes. Uh, and one of the benefits of that um, is that when you live through a tornado and you've never done it before, you wake up the next morning and you wonder if you're ever going to get your life back together. You wonder how it's going to be done. And the outpouring of love and affection from people throughout the state of Ohio uh, was and is amazing. Uh, and we have literally rebuilt our region, rebuilt the homes, um, got people back into their homes. And um, except for the fact that uh, you've been in the community, except for the fact that you can see that in many places there are no trees, um, we, we really have worked together to rebuild our community and, in my opinion, make it better. Uh, we still have many, many challenges. And that's another reason why uh, being an uh, EV enthusiast is important to me. Because when you realize uh, at a moment's notice, uh, Mother Nature can take literally everything away from you. Um, you want to be as respectful as possible and aid uh, with healing the environment, not making it worse. Yeah, and, and one thing, um, you know, we spent pretty much an entire day together uh, touring the city and, and surrounding areas and... Um, one takeaway for me was you act more like you're 16, <laughs> the amount of energy you have. I mean, we went and you're like, oh, you know, let's, uh, let's not really stop for lunch, you know, let's, or grab something quick. And, and, you know, you had a whole agenda where we would go do, see different things. What is powering you? I mean, and, and then all the people, you know, we met that, that really knew and loved you and, 
kind of experience that on an ongoing well, basis firsthand. Well, first, I apologize for my energy. I have a tendency to um, get up in the morning, um, uh, eat at 11 o'clock, and if I don't eat at 11 o'clock, I don't eat until 5 or 6 o'clock in the evening. Uh, I have things to do. Right. Um, the one, one thing that you realize as a spastic paraplegist, I was told as a child I wouldn't live until I was 18 years old. Mm. So uh, one of the issues on that, if you, if you uh, live with the fear that you're going to have a very short life in front of you, you take life very seriously. And uh, one of the coolest things that happened on my uh, 60th birthday is I was talking to this specialist and she said to me, uh, there's a question you want to ask me. And I said, I do. And she said, there is. And I said, what's that question you want to ask me? And she said, uh, can she said, your question is, why am I still alive? And she said, you're still alive because instead of getting in a wheelchair and instead of feeling sorry for yourself, you've stayed on your crutches, you've been active, and you've lived your life like there was no tomorrow, and you didn't catch the flu, you didn't catch anything bad, and you're still alive. And, and even after 60, I realized that um, when you have a life and a day ahead of you, um, you do the very best you can with it, right? And from the age of 15, I realized that I wanted to be a servant in my community. I wanted to make sure that every day that I put in, I did something that made the world a better place, right? So when you come to Dayton, Ohio, the Miami Valley, you know, the great city of Trotwood and my state of Ohio, and you can tell I have a tremendous pride for where I live, um, I'm not going to waste your time. I'm going to make sure that you touch people and they understand how important uh, people who are friends and visitors are and that we're active. And I said something yesterday that I will repeat that will sound a little silly. Um, you know, I, I feel like what has happened to me in my 69 years is that I live in a forest and I've become an old growth tree. Uh, and many times people cut those trees down, right, to let other trees grow and they harvest them and make a house. And in the city of Trotwood, people have let me grow and develop and let my roots, you know, sort of expand in the community. So when you have a pride in the way that people have treated you, um, then you feel like you owe people your very best. Um, I'll, I'll tell you a story that I tell very few people um, when you're a kid and you walk on crutches and you're an African-American, uh, I found that people would look at me and they would look at me with pity or they would look at me with, um, you know, rap. You know, I, I feel bad for rap because rap doesn't have the experience of doing this, that and the other. Right. And growing up, that would make you very angry. Right. And it would make you want to be the very best you can be. And, and I'm very fortunate that I had a father and a mother and a family, and I'm married in a family where um, our family doesn't believe in pity. They believe in encouragement and enthusiasm. Uh, I was telling a story, and you could tell I'm a storyteller. Uh, I was telling a story earlier today where I was walking one time and I, I fell on the street and my father pulled up in a pickup truck. He, was, he used to make a living laying concrete. And he, he rolled his window down and said, son, I see you falling. I said, yes, dad. He says, I'm going to go over on the block one time, and when I come back, you better be up. Right? Now, to most people, uh, my father was being mean to me, uh, but he wasn't. 
what he was telling me and explaining to me that if you fall, you've got to get up and you've got to keep moving and you've got to wipe your hands off and you've got to continue your task, right? And, and I think ever since then, because of his encouragement and the encouragement of my family and this community, uh, I realized that if we have a tornado, uh, if something breaks in the community, we have to get up on our crutches, wipe our hands off, and continue our task. And I see that every day in my life, and I see that every day in my community. Yeah, no, that's wonderful. And I mean, I guess uh, reason one of the reasons we were, you know, there in Trotwood was, you know, you were showing us around, and, and you had, um, I guess, a less than wonderful experience with folks coming in and saying, EV chargers, you know, you, you don't have any EV chargers, we're going to put in EV chargers for you. And not really working with you and working with the community and, and I guess necessarily finding out what your specific needs are, but um, perhaps more more like telling. And so we came in, you, you did your research and you found Adopt-A-Charger with Kitty Adams and um, the timing was really right because I, I started uh, a little more of a formal relationship with Kitty and Adopt a Charger, and we came out and took a look around. Actually, the timing is great because we just got confirmation that today that uh, we're going to be putting in our the first uh, dual charger uh, there in Trotwood, uh, which we're very excited about at, at the city uh, city hall there uh, near the police department and everything, and hopefully the first of many. But can you speak a little bit about that and and what? If any, I mean, what your community's needs are that would perhaps be different from other communities as far as, you know, EVs and EV charging. Right. Well, first of all, I uh, want to say thank you. Uh, I just talked to the city today and asked them if it was possible that we could have the EV charger up and ready by Earth Day. And they uh, giggled at me. So I'm sort of putting a little pressure on them to get it Good. done right away. Good. Um, I, I, I think that... Um, let, let's go back a little bit because I think this is very important. Yeah. When, you, when, you, when you talk about underserved communities, and I do not use the term disadvantaged. Right. I use the term underserved. Right. Because many times people live where they want to live and they live amongst the people they want to live amongst. Right. And people don't envy other people. What they want is to have the same opportunities that other people have. That's called equity, Right. So I think what was interesting was when I bought the ID4 home, my neighbors said, what is that? Right. And they said to me, uh, how much range do you have? How are you going to charge it? And I've discovered over the last seven months, those are the questions everybody asks, no matter who they are or no matter what their attitude is. Right. And then what I discovered was that, um, Immediately, when you don't have a charger, you won't accept, accept the charger from anybody, right, For, at, at any cost. And then you have to stop and then ask yourself, um, if a charger is going to cost you $2 per kilowatt hour, and it costs you five hours to charge, and that, that may be $10, $10, but... For many people in the beginning, particularly seniors, that's going to be the difference if they could even afford an EV from buying the medicine or eating or even never considering it, right? So it was very important to me from the beginning to see if we could utilize charging where it was inexpensive or free, okay? And what I discovered was I went to the utility companies and said, um, are there any 
uh, grants for chargers? And initially, there were not. Are there any grants? If I put a, a charger in my garage, can I get reimbursed? And they told me no, right? Uh, what disturbed me was I looked on um, my charging app and realized there were chargers across the river, across those bridges I talked about, but they didn't exist in my community. And when I talked to people with political power, they said, well, why should we put chargers in communities where there aren't no EVs, right? And where there's a potential that nobody's ever going to buy an electric car. And I argue that what comes first, the chicken or the egg? And I think that you have to put chargers in communities for the people can see them, for they have the confidence to buy a new or used EV for that they know that they can charge it, right? But my fear is is that if you go out and, and I won't won't name any companies because I don't want to get you sued, Um, but I think it's really unfortunate that if you go out and you you deal with a company, they put a charger in, even where the utility company pays 50 or 80 or 100% and it's relatively free, and then there's soft charges that the city has to pay when, in fact, we're in the beginning stages of people being introduced to electric cars. So what I did was I found that people would say, well, there's no, there's no interest in your community, so we shouldn't build the infrastructure. And what I did then um, on uh, September 11th was we had our first ride-in drive at a place that we call the Salem Mall. We had the first uh, mall in the state of Ohio in the city of Trotwood. Like every place else, that mall is defunct and gone. So we actually used this large parking lot to have a ride-in drive. And what I found is we bought my ID4 and we bought Teslas and Chevy Vaults and all these various cars. And I saw people smiling and looking at cars and being interested in them. And the lesson I have learned from this is that the way to get EV adoption is to put people in cars, to let them touch them and create a level of interest in them. And that's happening in the community now. Um, there are at least four EVs in Trotwood that I know of. And if that means I know of four, there must be 14. And if there's 14, there might be 24. Uh, and if people don't have chargers, where are they going to charge? What they're doing is they're traveling 15 miles away to the Electrify America uh, and charging and coming home. What I want to happen in my community is I want there to be chargers that are, um, I want there to be chargers that people don't have to to pay for, and I want there to be chargers that people have to pay for based upon their ability to do so, um, that we can charge in our community. And as you know, 92% of people charge in their garage anyway. Uh, we what we do is we charge in our garage, we do our work and fun in the community, and we only use Tesla charge superchargers or uh, Electrify America, which is my favorite, when we're traveling. So um, the real issue here, and, and I'm going to be a long, little long-winded because I think it's important, uh, there was a new study that says that if you own an ICE car, it costs you six cents a mile to actually run that car. If you own an EV, it costs you three cents a mile. And the longer you own that car, the wider the gap becomes between a regular gas automobile and an electric car. And with the price of gas and diesel rising, the the cost gap is becoming even wider. And the coolest experience I had was I took Whisper to the Volkswagen dealer because the service light came on. 
And the service manager said, Mr. Hankins, um, I don't know where the service light came on because there's nothing to do. Where with my first, with my other Volkswagens, with my first service light, it cost me $100 per oil change. So I went, what? <laughs> you know, uh, there's nothing to do. Uh, and then I looked at it and there's only 14 pieces in an EV where there are thousands of pieces in a gas car. So you, you're looking at telling people, you know, minorities and women, that they can buy something where um, they, you know, the, the cost is a little higher. But let's look at this realistically. An ID4 fully stocked is going to cost about $45,000. With the discount from the government of $7,500, you're now in the mid-30s. And that's the cost literally of any uh, car, regardless of electric or gas. So I believe that if we educate people and give them the benefits of electric car in minority communities and in working class communities uh, and poor communities like in Kentucky and Ohio, we can actually put fleet and cars in people's hands that enable them to travel, but it also enable them to educate their children and make intelligent financial choices that don't break their backs. Well, and you said the key word right there is educate. I mean, very early on, we, we realized that, I think, was it Ford that said quality is job one? They, they had that little slogan yes. with that, if I'm still remembering, it was a good slogan. But education, I always say, is job number one. And um, right. it... it it always surprises me, and it shouldn't, that I do get the same questions over and over again, and I'm surprised by it, and I shouldn't be because um, often and most of the time, you know, people just don't know, and they are hearing things right. out in the community that uh, are either misleading or just downright wrong and false, and they they need people like you and me to kind of give them the real story. And so educating is, um, you know, it, it's not about if, if we're doing chargers, not about just putting chargers in the community, but it's about now that we have chargers in the community, let's celebrate that. Let's educate people in, in a bunch of different ways. And then real change can happen, you know? So. Well, let's, but, let, but let's do this too, because as a, um, Previous elected official, I think I understand the jargon of people that um, operate in Frankfurt and operate in Columbus, right? And they tell us that the thing that they're most concerned about is job creation. And they're concerned about things that stimulate the economy. Um, there's a, about 20 miles from me, there's a charger, and it's in Fairborn, Ohio, and there's a Kroger's there. Um, and I go in the area once a week to get some work done. And I stop at that Kroger's and I charge my car and I go in the grocery store and I buy groceries there and I spend a hundred dollars. Right. And then I go home. Now, if that charger wasn't there, I wouldn't do that. Right. Uh, about in my 51st wedding anniversary, we decided to go to Amish country and, um, I needed a charge cause where we were, uh, I use my level one charger, and you know what that is. It's a charger that comes with the car that's an incredibly slow, and we wanted to travel around a little bit. So I ended up in this town called Wooster, Ohio, and Wooster had a DC 50-kilowatt charger that we visited literally every day when we went to travel in Amish country, uh, and we actually bought our holiday gifts, 
you know, in Worcester. Now, if that charger hadn't have been there, uh, we wouldn't have stopped and bought things, right? If that charger would have not been in Fairborn, I wouldn't periodically buy groceries. And one of the events that we're going to do on Earth Day in Trotwood is I'm going to the Trotwood Madison High School, and we're going to take EVs there, and we're going to make a 15-minute presentation to the students in the science classes to talk to them the benefits about um, owning EVs in the future, but understanding that there's money for them in designing EVs as well as maintenance in them in the future by getting the skill sets. Now, tell me if that's not job creation, right? right? And, and tell me if what I'm talking about and putting charges in important places all over this country isn't about stimulating growth and economy. So, and I want to make sure that everybody is engaged in that process. So, uh, initially, when I looked at Whisper and looked at my charger in my garage, I'm thinking, okay, I needed to be, uh, not have range anxiety. But then I realized, once again, it wasn't about me, right? It was about the community that I existed in, my county, my state, and then by reaching out to friends all over the place, uh, I was able to find you, and we both understand that it's about, I mean, we we share Appalachia together right. with our two wonderful states, right? Uh, and we understand that our people, and what I find funny is people will say, Rap, you live in Ohio and still lives in Kentucky, and I say what separates us is what? The Ohio River and a border? Because as people, nothing separates us. Right. And when we work together, to what benefits our people, and we do it through EVs or whatever we do it through, um, that shows what happens when you build community. And that's what we're doing here, my friend. We're building the community that serves people no matter what they look like. And you never know where that breakthrough is going to be. I mean, um, you know, you mentioned the St. Patrick's Day Parade we had here in Louisville. Um, I wasn't able to be there because I had a big trip the next day, but I heard I had got some great feedback about how warmly you know the crowd really welcomed everyone and thought it it was wonderful. I, one of the you know I love parades and uh, you do get that you get people saying you know they don't necessarily expect to see a bunch of electric vehicles and it's a treat for them. And it reminds them that this is something that they can do, you know. So there's that. I mean, you, you recently talked to me about going to car dealerships, um, which is something that can be, let's say, frustrating, <laughs> to say the least, at, at times, especially years ago, um, because a lot of times there was a real disconnect between the the car company or the vehicle company and the dealership. It was like two separate things. And the, the car company might be saying one thing, but the dealership doesn't necessarily buy into that. Um, and the dealership's making a lot of money on breaking cars, you know, on, on repairing cars. But remember, I'm an old salesman. So, and I believe I can sell anything. So when you're in love with something, and I know you're not supposed to be in love with cars, but I'm not in love with cars. I'm in love with the concept of a better world. Right. Uh, what I find is that when I first walked into dealerships and said that I'm part of Drive Electric Dayton and the Electric Vehicle Association, people would look at me and say, what do you want? Right. 
uh, and on Monday and Tuesday of this week, I went and visited all kinds of dealers and walked in. And you'll love the pitch. I walked in and said, I'm here because you have people who are interested in buying EVs and you don't have any. So since you don't have any, we're going to create an event um, in June where we're going to take people to the ball game. And we're going to have over 40 EVs they can touch. And what I'd like you to do is anybody who's interested in an EV, send them out, let them touch our car, be excited about it, and then come from you and order one or understand that that order is important to them. And they said, Rap, why are you here? Do you want money from us? What do you want? Right? And I, and I said, I'm an EV enthusiast. And as an enthusiast, I want to encourage you to sell cars. And they went, what? <laughs> Why would you do that? And, and, and I said, because you sell only what you know, right? And because you know ice cars, you sell ice cars. And I want to make it easy for you. I want you to sell EVs and then turn your customers over to me. And they said, but if we turn our customers over to you, you're going to talk them into buying a Volkswagen. And I said, no, if you turn your customers over to me, I'm going to make them EV enthusiast, and they're going to encourage you to be a better dealer. And what I discovered was that when I walked out, that dealer, he or she was smiling at me, right, and welcomed me back. And on my second day, I walked into a dealership, and the dealer said, I said, I'm Rap Hankins, and the dealer said, we know who you are. <laughs> so the word is getting out, right, uh, that this brown-skinned man on crutches is walking all over Montgomery County encouraging dealers to encourage people to be excited about EVs. And, um, you know, when I was down in Louisville a couple weeks ago, I walked into the Volkswagen dealership, um, and I tend to do that wherever I go, uh, and I walked up to the owner and said, uh, I'm Brad Hankins, and I'm, you know, I'm here today. And he says, uh, uh, well, you already got a Volkswagen. What do you want? I said, I want to encourage you to sell more cars. And he said, Rap. If I had 100 ID4s in Kentucky, I could sell them in a week. So there are many people who would think that this is a, something that is happening in California, Texas, and New York. This enthusiasm that we're a part of is happening everywhere in the United States. And there is a shortage of cars. And we see that the, um, the way things are done are broken right now. The supply chain is broken for a whole bunch of reasons, COVID and the like. Uh, and what we're trying to do is encourage people and dealers to treat people with respect and equity for that when somebody wants to go in and buy a car, they don't pay $30 or $30,000 more for an EV than they have to. Right. And, and the shortage is not going to last forever and the parts problems aren't going to last forever. Uh, I think we're just going through a bit of a rough patch right now. So, yeah, Absolutely. But you, but you, but but you mentioned something earlier that I'd like to return to, please. Sure. Yeah. And and, and that and that is this question of charging infrastructure. Uh, the Biden administration has provided uh, five point seven point five billion dollars for infrastructure, and they've said that forty percent of that should go into underserved communities, uh, right. and that's everywhere in this nation. And I'm and I have always said that when money is involved, bad things happen. Right. Uh, and I would say to all the listeners of your podcast, I would encourage them to go to their city councils, talk to their mayors, talk to their IPOs in their areas and make sure that when that process is made for that money to be spent, 
that anyone who is a decent human being and an enthusiast encourage that everyone has access to not simply uh, level two chargers, but also DC chargers in underserved communities. Because I want that mother that has a child that is has to do homework at, at home can go to a DC charger, charge in 15 minutes, and maybe do a little bit of homework in the car, and then go home for dinner. Uh, I know that some people think that level one chargers are good enough, but if you're a working mother, you don't have three days to charge. Uh, and many times, you don't have six hours to sit at a level two charger and charge. So I think that if we really have this kind of money and we want to serve people, let's put the chargers in place that serve the actual needs of our citizens. And it only happens if there's a mass movement of enthusiastic people like you and myself. Yeah, and I think what a lot of people don't realize is electric cars enable people to keep that money in their pockets or purses. Right. Um, you know, the the amount of money saved in fuel costs and in maintenance costs is very, very significant. And that message needs to get it, you know, get out there. And people need to make the calculations because that very easily could be a quality of life type of thing for anybody. Well, it's, it's a it's a quality of li- it's a quality of life kind of thing for me. I mean, um, you know, yeah. many times we, we as EV enthusiasts have to realize we benefit from this. I mean, a perfect example is I pay nine cents per kilowatt hour. So actually, t- which is low compared to a lot of yes, people. Yes, right. Uh, and um, when I charge Whisper in the evening, you're talking about at best I'm I'm paying a you know a 260 to charge the car. Well, the other day I had to fill up the diesel and it was $50 to fill up the diesel. So uh, would I rather charge in my electric car and share it with the family or watch that diesel and that dirty fuel go out the turnpike and at the same time eat up my wallet? Right. And, and I don't consider myself impoverished. But so what if you have to make a choice um, if you're going to buy something or not? Doesn't it make sense to have manufacturers create cars that people can afford and have chargers that are going to serve people? And I, and I know it's a bad word to say when you're talking about capitalism that we want to help people because everybody says we have to make a profit. And, and I think there was a phrase when I was a kid that we don't want to hand out, we want to hand up, right? And that the more we help people, the more they have the ability to help themselves and make a better world where everybody benefits and perhaps even profits. So this is why what you're doing in Kentucky is so important to me and why it's important that we put EV chargers everywhere. And and having said what I said, let me say this. Um, I'm a firm believer that we put chargers in destination points. And if we put chargers in destination points, it's not about economics or about your class level. It's about wherever you go, you don't have charging and anxiety, right? Chargers should be where everybody needs them to be so that we can charge, go places, enjoy ourselves, and keep moving along in society. And at the end of the day, why should anybody die of asthma or lung cancer and have health disadvantages when in fact one of the biggest issues with pollution in the state of Ohio is automobiles and we have the second worst air in the United States. 
And if you eliminate gas cars, you immediately begin to clean the environment. And Stu, people who don't want to hear this, uh, one of the benefits of COVID is when we were driving our cars, you started looking around and seeing deers walking down the street. You started seeing cleaner air. You could see things that you could see. So for people who say that this planet is doomed and we can't do anything about it, just in a matter of months in the COVID, we saw the planet healing itself, right? I think that we have a political and moral responsibility to be the best people that we can be. And it goes back to your first question. You said, Rap, why are you doing this? And I keep telling you, it's because if you are a decent human being, right, and you want to make the world a better place, then why not doing it while you're enjoying yourself and having the EV grin? I mean, our, our friends who are Tesla people always talk about, you know, they get in their cars and they, they love the way, you know, the, it accelerates. Well, um, Folks on this podcast, you don't have to be a Tesla person and spend $100,000 to get the excitement of EVs. Uh, there's a whole bunch of cars out here. And, and in Europe, there are hundreds of different brands. And slowly, they're making them their way to Ohio and Kentucky. And I think that we should look at these cars. They should be affordable. And I keep running that message, right? And I want to make it where EVs are available for everybody. And, you know, that's my slogan. My personal slogan is uh, EVs for all. So one of the things that really is most important to me with the EV groups um, is that, you know, yeah, some people will be talking about what I consider very surface things like, oh, you know, where do I get my windows tinted and wheels, wheel sizes, all these kind of very surface things. But what excites me, and and I know what excites you, is the deeper stuff. You know, the, the bonds that we create together, um, the good that we feel we can do in the community, um, and the education, you know, that piece, and, and just kind of keep going out and and kind of be, you know, EV evangelists. You know, we we, we want things to get better, you know, so that's what really, you know, keeps me in the game and, and does it for me. And to see people like you doing what you're doing um, is, is just absolutely wonderful. So, uh, um, but let, let, let us say something um, between the two of us, okay? Um, uh, I'm a huge baseball fan and, and people look at me and they they say to me, uh, you get emotional during the seventh inning stretch when we sing, take me out to the ball game. And I tell people that um, during the seventh inning stretch at a full ballpark, you look around and you see, you'll see 50,000 people, right? And they're singing the same song, no matter what their politics are, no matter what divides them. And there's been a whole lot that has divided this nation over the last four years, and for that matter, for the last... 420 years, right? So when I sit in a, in a room or I sit in a place where I can see people find a reason for commonality, um, I really believe that the healing of this planet is a place where even for the non-believers, we're going to have to come together because um, I saw a tornado three years ago. I've seen what the wind can do at night and the frightening that fear that people had on Wednesday, both in your community and mine, when those straight line winds were coming through and you wonder if they're going to destroy your home again, right? right. Uh, this is an opportunity for us to understand the good that we can do, right? 
And one of the things I really enjoyed about coming home to Louisville, and you know what my exact words were, coming home to Louisville, was I looked at people who understood what I was doing and who were in the same fight that I'm in. And I want to thank you for that because when I first started this journey, I felt like I was going to be alone. And the longer I participate in this journey, I know that I'm part of an EV family. That doesn't mean that everybody agrees with what I have to say, right? And it doesn't mean that people agree with the same positions that I take on chargers. Because there are some people who, like in Ohio, we pay a $200 fee to own an EV, where the average person pays $50, right? Um, I think that's wrong, by the way. And it doesn't mean that I'm not willing to pay my fair share for driving on the roads, but I think that people should be... Uh, should pay per mileage of uh, driven instead of just being penalized for owning an EV, right? And when I go to events, there are people get who get very angry because I want to change the world, right? And I would say to them that if you know what a Leadite is, a Leadite is a person who says, um, I'm afraid of change and I'm going to break the machines because uh, if I don't, you know, uh, there'll be no place for mules, there'll be no place for donkeys, and it's okay to have um, the pollution that they had with horses, which was horrible, right? And we've seen that change has its benefits. It can move us forward and it can be a disadvantage. But it's only a disadvantage if the people don't wield that change, right? So when I was in Kentucky with your family, and I'm talking about your organization, I felt a family full of people of all ages and all generations who are working with me for that change. And I, and I think it's really important that we that people who don't own EVs understand that it's just not economical, it's just not the enthusiasm, but that you get to join a family, right? And I know there are people who only care about their wheel sizes and the thickness of their glass and the cost of their automobile, but I would tell you that when they spend time with you and me, they know that it's more than just that. And there's so many people that really want something more. And, you know, we are at the beginning of this. So, uh, again, that's been something that uh, has really been wonderful. I've met so many wonderful people and, and we're trying to make a change. We're trying to do different things. Um, and uh, this has been great. I, I think this is probably a, a good place to... Uh, to stop unless you have something else you wanted to add. But I want to say, I want to say publicly, because I think it's important. Um, I, I, want, I want to thank you for what you're doing to aid the people in Trotwood. Uh, it means a lot to me. Uh, and you know that um, I will do what I can um, to aid anyone who is part of our family. Um, I will see you next week. Yep. Because um, we're going to participate in something else together. Right. Uh, and, and I've said to you that um, if I'm available and you're doing something, I will be there for you the same way that I know that you will be there for me. And the reason uh, I'm saying this to your listeners is I really want them to understand, and I know they do, that we're a family, right? Because when you believe that you're building something and it has legs, uh, then you get excited about it. So for those people that just want to buy cars because they like them, buy them. And for those who want to be a part of a movement that has potential to change the world, uh, join us and help us change. That's beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Well, 
I can't thank you enough, Rap. Brother, uh, thank you for your time, and I love you, sir, and thank you. Love you as well. All right. Thank you for listening to this episode of Stu's EV Universe. I would like to thank Eden Unger for creating the artwork and the music for this episode. Remember, please rate, review, subscribe, and share, as that's the only way we can continue to grow. Now you can support us on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash EVU. Remember, the EV revolution runs on your energy. I'm Stuart Unger. See you next time.